I have learned things in the dark that I could have never learned in the light. Things that saved my life over and over again. So there's really only one logical conclusion. I need darkness as much as I need light. Barbara Brown Taylor, learning to walk in the dark. If we stay in solitude long enough, we become safe enough with ourselves and with God to say, yes, this is who I am. We are able to surrender who we are, our limitations, our clinging and grasping and possessiveness, our selfishness and our fear. This is not a yes that says, I will remain the same. This is a yes that says to God, I recognize what I am now, and I am none other than what I am. Whatever it is that most needs to be done in my life, you will have to do it. Ruth Haley Barton, strengthening the soul of your leadership. The wall, more than anything else, cuts off our attachments to who we think we ought to be or who we falsely think we are. Layers of our counterfeit self are shed. Something truer that is Christ in us and through us slowly emerges. Peter Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. The seed breaks to give us the wheat. The soil breaks to give us the crop. The sky breaks to give us the rain. The wheat breaks to give us the bread. And the bread breaks to give us the feast. There was never once an alabaster jar that broke to give him all the glory. Never be afraid of being a broken thing. Anne Voskamp, The Broken Way. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. You know what I long for, Lord. You hear my every sigh. My heart beats wildly. My strength fails, and I am going blind. But I am deaf to all their threats. I am silent before them as one who cannot speak. I choose to hear nothing, and I make no reply. For I am waiting on you, O Lord. You must answer for me, O Lord, my God. David. Psalm chapter 38, verses 8 to 10 and 13 to 15. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Laura Jory. I am one of the KidMax leaders here in Oakville, and I am happy to be here with you this morning in adult church, as we always say, in our KidMax land, but delighted to be here. I had the opportunity to share in Oakville as part of our Good Friday service this past April, and I was speaking to some of my own experience that I've had over the last couple of years um, of being diagnosed with cancer and coming through treatment and recovery. And in sharing that story, um, one of the things that I said was that as I came to the end of myself, what I found there was the abundance of God, which is true. The thing that um, I wanted to speak to this morning is that as that service went on, we had a time of open sharing and kind of feedback and things that had stood out to people that were in the congregation, and one gentleman um, with gentleness and kindness commented in response that 
that was, that was lovely, and he was sure that it was true, that that was my experience of finding God at the end of myself. Um, but that, that wasn't his experience, and that wasn't um, what he had known to be true. And that has really stayed with me in, in hearing that response. Um, and as I was thinking about what to share this morning, about what was coming to mind, um, I was landing back at this place of, what does it really mean to come to the end of ourselves? What does it feel like? Uh, and to be totally honest, um, it's not something that I want to think about. <laughs> Even having experienced that, it's not a place that I wanted to return to. But, but when I feel the invitation from God to be in that place, to remember what it felt like, there is a moment that comes to mind. As part of my treatment, one of the things that was happening uh, in addition to chemotherapy was this one shot that was meant to, I think, restore blood, blood cells. Who knows? Um, but the result was, um, for me, a very intense, uh, like full body pain that would happen at this one point um, in the cycle. And um, pain like I had never known before, pain in places that I didn't think could hurt, um, this kind of physical just inability to handle this sort of pain. And um, one of the only things that helped that would offer a kind of moment of relief uh, would be to have a bath. And the hot water would kind of just bring at least a minute of reprieve from the pain in that particular moment. And so this is the moment that I can picture and that I can feel in the bath um, with a body that I didn't recognize anymore, uh, with a bald head, having lost all of my hair, absolutely um, broken down in body and in spirit. This is the place where I came to the end of myself. Um, and even as I remember it, I can feel it again. I can feel the questions that rose up in me during that moment of feeling those real things in my body and in my soul. Questions of what is happening? Who am I here? How can this be something that is okay? God, where are you? I don't think that I can do this. I don't think that I uh, can carry on in this capacity. And the questions that came and the feelings that arose, the way that it felt bodily and in soul was a kind of death, truly. A death of being sure. A death of things that I had known to be true in the past. They had, were falling away in this moment of undoing. It was a death of self, a self that I had known, a self that um, I could have confidence in, all of that stripped away. And so that's where we're gonna land for a few minutes this morning, what it means to be undone, what it means to be people of fragility, what it means to meet God in the middle of that place and, and what happens when we do. So why don't we turn to scripture? We're gonna be looking in 2 Corinthians chapter four. So if you have your Bibles or you wanna look on your phones, if you're watching from home or you're here in person, if you wanna turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter four. 
We're going to read these verses together. We're going to see what Paul has to say to the church in Corinth here about fragility, about what happens as we bring our fragility into the presence of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 5, reading together. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts, so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. When I was having this lived experience of these feelings, of these questions, of this coming to the end of myself, it wasn't a place that I was um, quickly coming out of on my own. And in fact, uh, during that season, I was and am so thankful for the care of my husband, taking care of my physical needs, making sure that I was okay. I'm so thankful for um, the gift of encouragement and reminders of truth that were coming from sources outside of myself, because I wasn't getting back there on my own. Things that I used to know that were true about who God is were just kind of slightly out of reach when I was in the very middle of this undoing. And so, thankfully, in a kind of steady rhythm, there was encouragement coming from friends and family. There were reminders of the truth that had grounded me um, before this experience. And it's important that in both the experience as well as in this passage that we kind of start from this place of understanding who we are and who God is and how these things line up together. And so if we turn back to the passage, Paul starts off by making sure that we're kind of in tune with what our true identity is. Paul is talking about how it, God is the one who is bringing the light and then we are partnering with God to reveal it. God's the one bringing the light. We are partnering with him to reveal it. And the way that that happens kind of sets up who we are and how we're functioning in this partnership with God. God's the source, but we're actively present. But part of what that looks like, Paul says, is that we are fragile. We are like a fragile clay jar this very regular, everyday object that's breakable, that's fragile. And sometimes when we think about fragility or if we arrive at these moments of asking these types of questions and feeling this kind of frailty in ourselves, 
we feel like we've done something wrong to find ourselves there. That has certainly been my experience. <laughs> I arrive at this place of not feeling like God is close and I just think, oh, what, what has happened that I'm here? If I just had more faith, wouldn't I be here? If I just believed what God says more, wouldn't I not find myself here? But Paul is encouraging and reminding us that we're fragile on purpose. And it's not because we're doing something wrong. It's because this is part of God's plan that we will be in need of him. And it's okay, it's good. It's part of how his glory will be revealed. So we are fragile. We are also designed for a purpose. Even though we're fragile, even though we're frail, it doesn't discount us from being used by God. No, this is part of his plan. We are made this way on purpose for his purposes, and we will be used by him in our fragility, in our weaknesses, in our places of undoing. We are designed for a purpose. And Paul is saying in this passage, the purpose of our fragility, the purpose of how we are designed is to reveal the treasure within. There's nothing so special about a clay jug, but what is contained inside can be the treasure. And so he's saying here, we are fragile so that as we then partner with God, to both know and share his glory, it's gonna be obvious to everybody that that's not us that's showing the things that are good, the things that give life, the things that give purpose. It's not from me, it's not from us, but we're partnering with God just as we are to show his glory to the world around us. So our fragility is okay, in fact, it's a necessary part. It's a planned part of how we partner with God to share his heart with the world and to know ourselves fully. But we want to land then for a minute at what it means to actually experience life in the midst of this type of fragility. Because it's not something that we would choose more often than not. But the passage doesn't hold back. If you look again at verse eight, Paul gives us some descriptions of what this experience will be like. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. And verse nine, we are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. And the tendency in the church is to focus on the second half of these both and statements of these double-edged statements. The second half says, we are not crushed. We are not driven to despair. We are never abandoned by God. We are not destroyed. And church, these things are true. <laughs> these things are true, thank goodness. This is truth. And this is a place where we can find hope and we can be sure of who God is. But it's not the, the, the whole truth. It's not the whole lived experience of what this feels like. And in fact, at the same time, the verses are also saying, we are pressed on every side by troubles. We are perplexed. We're full of questions that can't be answered. 
we find ourselves here, if we're honest. We find ourselves here. We are hunted down, chased down by fear, by anxiety, by brokenness. We are knocked over, unable to stand, unable to be sure of who we are when things are coming undone. And this is also part of what it means to live as fragile jars of clay in a broken world. Sometimes living as a fragile jar in a broken world feels like this. Broken apart, in pieces, no longer recognizable as we were before. What do we do here? How do we stay here? In verse 10, Paul goes on to say this, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. This verse is telling us that the purpose of this felt fragility of this brokenness is so that we would know the glory and life of Jesus in our bodies and in our real life lived experience. And God's heart is not for us to suffer. It's not for us to be broken. But as we find ourselves in these places because of the world that we live in, he does want us to know that he is there with us. This is a lived experience of Jesus to be broken in his body so that life can come and be known fully. He's right here. And oftentimes when we're in this state of being shattered, of being broken down, we feel this distance from God that separates us from knowing the life that he wants to give us. And we wanna just get back to being well. We wanna get back to what was before. We just want the hard things to be done so that we can know the presence and faithfulness of God again. But there's something about knowing the faithfulness and presence of God when we're in the middle, when this is where we are, when we're broken apart, that transforms us and teaches us about who God is in a totally different way. There have been lots of different um, writers, thinkers, Christian leaders who have wrestled with this kind of truth, this balance of our real lived experience of faith and this promise of God meeting us in the midst. And so I just wanna talk about a couple of them really quickly to kind of uh, ground ourselves in the context. And so here's a diagram that's in your notes. Um, that's one way of looking at the stages of faith and the way that we learn um, through questions. And so not going into it in any great detail, but you can see there starting with recognition of God. This is saying yes to relationship with Jesus and then moving into a time of discipleship or learning and then a time of productivity or serving and doing of living out our faith. This is kind of a natural progression or one way of talking about 
a natural progression of how we grow in our walk with Jesus about how we grow in our faith. Then you'll see in this stage four, a journey inward and included in that is this idea of the wall. And these two parts can kind of be interchangeable. As we kind of grow in our faith, we start to ask questions, we start to think about um, what this means as it kind of interconnects with regular life. Um, and the journey inward might lead us to the wall or the wall might lead us into these questions in, in our interior. But either way, the wall is another way of giving language or a picture to these things that we're talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter four. This is the place of feeling pressed on every side. This is the place of being broken apart. This is where we come up against our questions and that everything that we've done to this point in our faith, suddenly it's not quite making sense anymore. We can't figure out how to carry on being the way that we have as we arrive at this place of questions, of brokenness, of darkness. And our natural tendency as we arrive at this wall is gonna be to retreat. It's, we don't wanna be there. And so our natural tendency is gonna be to move backwards, back to things that we know, back to things that have been sure before. But I think the invitation from God is to stay present to those questions and to that gift difficulty and to listen to what he wants to say to us while we're there, while we're at the wall, while we're stopped. And when we're listening to what God says to us in our undoing, it becomes clear to us that the things that have been sure, the things that have been known are not rooted in who we are and they're not rooted in the context or the situation that we find ourselves in. They're not based in outcomes. They're based in who God is. And one of the ways that we can know that is by taking away everything else. <laughs> if we take away everything else that's giving us security, that's giving us identity, then God is what is left. And we start to learn in a new way that he is the only source that we need, the only source of life that he longs to pour out on us, the only source of glory that can be seen and can be known. So here we are, holding these two truths together, our real fragility and also the real glory of God. And what does it look like as we start to hold those things together? What does it look like if in these places of brokenness and of coming apart, we can still turn our attention to God? We can still listen to the things that he will say to us there. The first thing that will happen is that God will transform our understanding of who we are. So much of our identity is rooted in what we do. Our productivity, our capacity, our abilities, or it's rooted in who we're connected to, our relationships with families and friends or coworkers. So much of who we are is defined by these attachments to both possibility and to people. But as those things are stripped away, as those things are broken down, we will begin to understand that God says that we are first and foremost his children, that we are his beloved, that this is who we are and that there's nothing that can take away that identity from us. There's nothing that can undo it. There's nothing that can shatter it. We are his. The second thing that happens is that God will also transform our understanding of who he is. 
And a lot of times, um, we, when we're in these moments of experiencing our own frailty, of experiencing these questions, God will seem very far away. But if we can stay present to the real things that we are feeling and ask the honest questions of God, where are you? We will find that he is there with us in the middle not waiting for us to get it back together, not waiting us for us to pick up the pieces, but that he is with us just as we are, loving us, present with us, for us always. The last thing that happens is that God will also transform the way that we see and engage with the world around us. And so if you look back to that diagram for just a minute, you'll see that in this stages of faith idea that's outlined there, if we can move through these places of difficulty, move through this wall with Jesus by our side, that then what will happen is we'll start to have eyes to see people around us in a new way. And so they talk about then this is gonna move us to this journey outward. All of a sudden we have this new understanding of who we are, this new understanding of who God is, and our grasp on what love really looks like will shift to look more like the heart of God, and that's gonna move us to reach out to those around us to also share that love, to be people who bring the truth of this transformative love, of this transformative glory to the people who are around us too. If we go back to our pottery metaphor here for just a minute and this jug that I've shattered open, there is another um, image that I want to show you that is a lovely metaphor for, for how God is at work in our fragility. There is a type of pottery that is practiced um, in Japanese culture and artistry that's called kintsugi, kintsugi pottery, which I'm, I'm sure I'm saying wrong, but Kintsugi pottery, kintsugi meaning golden joinery. And so you can see some pictures of it there. And this practice is taking a, something that has been shattered and, and fixing it, repairing it. But instead of trying to hide the cracks, what they do is they mix in a precious material like gold or platinum or silver. They mix it in to the adhesive that they're gonna use to stick this jar back together so that the cracks are highlighted as part of the beauty. So that now this crack, this brokenness, this undoing becomes a part, a significant highlighted part of this new thing that is created out of something that was broken. This is a gorgeous metaphor for how God works in the midst of our fragility, not leaving us broken, but with us in brokenness, with us in fragility, and then in fact using these places where we are weak and we are fragile to show his glory shining through. This quote from St. Augustine that's in your notes that says, in my deepest wound, I saw your glory and it dazzled me. It dazzled me. What do we do from here? What do we do now? If we are striving to hold these truths of fragility and the glory of God together, in who we are as broken people that are partnering with Jesus to show his glory, what do we do? 
How do we hold it? How do we move forward? I think that the first thing that we are invited to is to hold our own fragility with gentleness and with expectation. We don't want to be fragile, but we are, and it's okay. And so when we find ourselves in a place where we are feeling broken down in whatever capacity, we can be there with gentleness for ourselves. We don't have to pretend that it's not the case. We don't have to quickly rush to fix it or hide it. We can be gentle with ourselves because our Father is gentle with us. We can also hold our own fragility with expectation, expecting that if we're able to stay in these places of weakness, but still just open ourselves to what God wants to say to us in that moment, that He will meet us there. He is present with us. He is loving us completely while we're broken, while we're coming apart. The second invitation is that we are invited to encounter the fragility of others with gentleness and with expectation. As we experience this gift from Jesus to be known and loved and seen and valued in the middle of our own fragility, that is gonna change our hearts and change the way that we see other people's brokenness around us too. Suddenly, we know what it means to look at the fragility and brokenness of other people with compassion and with the heart of God. And we can be the people who demonstrate and show this all-encompassing love of Jesus to the people around us too. Just as we have received, so we can also give. We can encounter other people with gentleness and expectation, even in the middle of their brokenness, trusting that God is also present to them, that he is also for them, that he is also able to love them in the middle of wherever they find themselves and to restore them. The last invitation is that we are invited to find hope and promise in the truth that God's glory is for us, both now and not yet. And so here's the, the tricky part, one of the tricky parts. As it was in my um, experience of treatment, these moments would come and then they would recede. The pain would pass, um, but it would come again. But it would come again. And I started to, to know that. I started to know that. And so that even as it was passing, and that was good, I was already filled with the expectation that I knew that this was gonna come again with the next cycle, with the next round. And isn't this the truth of our lived experience? We know that it's gonna come again. We are gonna continue to live in a broken world. We are gonna continue to have experiences that break us apart. But we are present to that at the same time that we can be sure that Jesus is with us in the middle. It doesn't lead us to despair because we know that through suffering, Jesus is also inviting us to know his glory now. So the both and is that it's not fully realized in this life in terms of being able to release and let go and no longer have to deal with all of that brokenness. It is going to continue to be our lived experience in this cycle. But at the same time, Jesus also promises that the fullness of his kingdom has come now, 
that he is with us now. So even in the midst of that brokenness and that fragility, we can be sure that Jesus is with us, that he is for us, that he has overcome death. And that is everything. That is everything. It changes the way that we will experience our fragility. It changes the way we will engage with our world. As this um, chapter in 2 Corinthians carries on, Paul goes on to bring us back to this place of hope. After being real about what it feels like to live in fragility, he leaves us with the truth of why we're okay in the middle of all of this, of how Jesus is with us. And so we wanna land there as we finish our time together. If you wanna look with me starting at verse 15, 2 Corinthians 4, we're going to read verse 15 and 17 as our prayer to close as a benediction of hope as we leave this space today. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Amen.